My name is Karen Kraska. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Treach, and it's my privilege to get to talk for a few moments about Holy Saturday. We are in the season of Lent, and we have worship services that commemorate and honor what we call Maundy Thursday. We have a Good Friday service. But on Holy Saturday, we typically don't have a worship service dedicated to the time that Jesus literally rested in the tomb. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to our Easter worship services. We have three in-person worship services this year at uh, on Saturday, Holy Saturday. We'll have a 5 p.m. It's actually an Easter service, and it's for families with elementary-aged children. And then Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, we have two services, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in the sanctuary. And we will have choir and orchestra in our band. Uh, We will have our mask and be socially distanced. And we certainly hope that you're planning to come and celebrate uh, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior on Easter Sunday. So right now, I just want to turn our attention to this day called Holy Saturday, a day of waiting, a day of resting, a day of anticipation. As I said, it's the Saturday in Holy Week. It's also known as Great Saturday, the Great Sabbath, Black Saturday, and some traditions, Hallelujah Saturday. So before we kind of dig into what that means, I thought it might be fun to just read from each of the gospel accounts. Now, the gospel, gospels means good news. So the gospels in our Bible, in scripture, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those first three gospels are actually called the synoptic gospels because they pretty much have the same kind of uh, account or the same way that uh, scripture is related. John usually takes a little bit of a different uh, tack. So the synoptic gospels are the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John is one of the gospels writers, but not synoptic. So I'm going to read all four so we can hear just kind of the account of what happened when Jesus was in the tomb. So I'm going to start with Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and this is Matthew uh, chapter 27, and it's verse 57, where I'm starting with the burial of Jesus. As evening approached, there came a a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus's body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that the deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the last. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. He doesn't really talk about what happens 
while Jesus is in the tomb, because then in chapter 28, it starts with the uh, Mary and the other Mary coming to the tomb. In the book of Mark, chapter 15, verse 42, we talk, it talks about the burial of Jesus as well. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, because remember, they're Jews. So as evening approached, Joseph of, A- Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in the tomb, cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Then it goes right into chapter 16, when the Sabbath was over, and Mary, and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought the spices. So Mark doesn't talk anything about what happens to Jesus in the tomb on Holy Saturday. So we're going to skip over to Luke, and Luke's account of Jesus' burial begins in uh, chapter 23 and verse 50. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Then in the next chapter, which begins in 24, it begins again with the women who appear at the tomb. There's no mention of what Jesus is doing in the tomb on Saturday. I'm going to skip to the last of the Gospels. This is from John, and it begins in chapter 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Then in verse 20, it begins with the empty tomb, with the uh, Mary, the Marys coming to the tomb and finding it empty. So in all four Gospels, it doesn't tell us what Jesus was doing. Um, there is certainly, there are other scriptures that elude or point to what Jesus was doing. Many Christians believe that Jesus descended into Hades. 
uh, during uh, on this day, and that he went to liberate those that had died uh, previously, that Christ descended into the lower parts of the earth, and that's referenced in the New Testament in First Peter chapter 4, verse 6. And it states that good tidings were proclaimed to the dead. First century Jews believed that all souls went to a really dreary, dark, silent underworld when they died. And to emphasize that Jesus died and that his resurrection wasn't a trick, that there was no uh, way that Jesus could have been died, could, could have been just almost dead, so to speak. The apostles also insisted that Jesus went into Sheol or hell or Hades. And that was to kind of punctuate, hey, this wasn't a trick. Um, the only way that things could be uh, propagated or, or communicated was verbally. So apostles wanted to make sure that the narrative was Jesus truly was dead and he truly came back to life. In our own Apostles' Creed, now there have been different kinds of um, um, wording of the Apostles' Creed, but I grew up saying that Jesus descended into hell. So we know that Sheol, hell, Hades are all different words uh, for either a physical place or a place where God is not present. And um, so it's it's a common thought that the harrowing of hell was taking place, that Jesus had to descend before he was able to ascend. Um, there are some places, as I said, in the New Testament where that's referenced, and uh, some theo theologians believe that it's allegory. Some believe it is uh, very literal. Um, Martin Luther and John Calvin disagreed on if Christ suffered in hell to atone for human sinfulness. Um, there's a lot of different uh, theological uh, discussion on exactly what happened. Uh, I believe that all scripture is uh, inspired by God, and it's supposed to teach us something, and that um, there's a lot that, that we can learn from just kind of um, marinating and reflecting and waiting. So as, as an, uh, a disciple of Jesus, I just have to think, what did the uh, disciples then, what were they going through on Holy Saturday? That's um, something that I think we can all kind of imagine and put ourselves uh, in their place. There was a lot of fear. Um, I can only imagine that some of them were um, skeptical. <laughs> if your leader said, hey, I'm going to have to suffer all these horrific things, but trust me, I'll be back. As much as they probably really wanted to believe that, there had to be a huge element of just human doubt and confusion. And um, so I think that we as Christian believers, as Christian disciples, can certainly um, put ourselves in that position of uncertainty and fear and doubt. Uh, as I've been kind of thinking about talking about Holy Saturday, the thing that keeps coming to my head is just uncertainty. We've been living with uncertainty for a long time. Uh, the pandemic uh, and, and the COVID cases have left us all or made us all fearful and uncertain. Um, 
this just this week, there was a, another shooting in Boulder, Colorado, and those families of those victims have to be um, feeling uncertain, uncertainty and anger and darkness. Uh, all of the boys from Mexico, the teenage boys who are at the convention center in Dallas, those who are being held from Mexico, they have to be feeling like they're in a tomb, not knowing what's going to happen next. Um, we know the end of the story. We've read in scripture uh, that resurrection is coming. But we're in, when we're in the middle of something that is dark, that uh, can elicit fear and uncertainty, we don't see the next chapter. We have to be in the tomb, so to speak. I'm reminded of Job, the book of Job in the Old Testament. Uh, Job was a character who, in the Bible, who had everything going for him and then lost everything, his health, his family, his fortune. And um, Job is a character who always elicited hope and faith. And hope for Job came long before God restored his life. In fact, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And that's from Job 19.25. Because Job recognizes God is in the business of redemption and brings good from bleak and hopeless circumstances. So I think that Holy Saturday is a reminder to us that sometimes we have to go to the dark places. Sometimes we live with fear and uncertainty and anguish. Uh, sometimes we may feel like we are literally in hell. But as Christians, we know the rest of the story, that God overcomes death, that God is with us. Um, I love a quote that was found on the cell of um, someone who was a Jew in a concentration camp at Auschwitz. And the quote is, I believe in the sun even when it isn't shining. And that gives us hope when we feel like we're in the tomb, when we feel like we're in a grave, when it's dark, when it's uncertain, when we're alone, that resurrection comes, that new life happens. And so Easter Sunday in all its uh, grandeur and glory is a reminder that we have to go through those dark times, those dark places uh, in order to, to achieve and understand uh, the goodness of God and that God is with us even in those, in, even in those dark and uncertain times. So my prayer is that uh, this Easter uh, we might celebrate having been to the tomb and finding it empty. Let's pray. Merciful and ever-living God, creator of heaven and earth, the crucified body of your son was laid in a tomb and he rested on this most holy day. God, I pray that we may with him await the dawn of the third day and rise in newness of life through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our friend. Amen.